Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Join me as we head into service. Hello, New Covenant family. It's so good to come into your homes once again to break the bread of life. Coming coming to you once again from an empty church. But this is out of love. I heard Samantha Granham say something that I want to take as a mantra, and that is, we want to make certain that we are connected without being infected. And because of our great love towards you, we're still doing this virtually, but I pray that God would be present right where you are. Let us pray. Father, I pray that your presence would fill every room where your people are, near and far. We pray, God, that you would send a special anointing today to encourage, to deliver, to save, to lift up, to let the oil of joy flow in the homes of many today in the name of Jesus. And God, we want to be in your presence where there is fullness of joy. And so bless us now with your presence. Send a word in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you today about great faith. We're going to do a series on faith following the message on watch night for us to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. God wants to encourage your faith and my faith. And before we jump into the message, I want to talk about something that is often conflated with faith. And they have some similarities, but they also have differences. Confidence and faith. What do they have in common? And what is the common enemy of confidence and faith? It's important for us to understand this. Confidence is the fruit of putting in the work, preparing. As a young athlete, one of the things I experienced and observed, and I also experienced this in business, that if you lack confidence, the probability of success is greatly diminished. If you lose your confidence, you lose your ability to perform. But if you have confidence, you will optimize your ability. And so confidence is the fruit of hard work and preparation. When one prepares and one puts in the work, whether you are an athlete, whether you're a business person, whether you're a a public speaker, When you prepared, you position yourself to optimize what is in you. I had a teammate in high school who would go on to lead the nation in scoring in Division I. And one of the things I noticed about him that I admired, that I took away, is that whether we were in the playground on the blacktop or playing in the state championship, he was fearless. He was the same. He would play in Rucker Park, 
against some of the biggest names in the NBA, and he would perform just like he would in the playground with someone that we would call a scrub, someone who wasn't that good, someone who wasn't a part of any organized sport. But the thing that caused him to do that is that he had supreme confidence. It never wavered. Confidence allows you to optimize what is in you. Faith, on the other hand, allows you to reach that which is beyond your reach. Confidence prepares you to be your best. Faith is invested in the one who is able to do in you what you can't do yourself. I remember some years ago, there was a, a preacher who came, he was from the same place that I was from, Patterson, New Jersey, but he came from South Carolina where he had moved and he made a confession. He said, I know many of you think that I left here to go to South Carolina because of the climate difference, because of my asthma. But he said, the truth is, I was running away from my calling. I felt ill-prepared to preach the gospel. I'm not educated. I don't read well. In fact, he probably couldn't read at all except the scripture. But that night, he preached the word out of Genesis when Esau sold his birthright to Jacob. And that word was, the message title was, you got what you wanted, but you lost what you had. I still remember vividly that word. And I saw in action something that had nothing to do with confidence. He lacked the confidence to receive his calling. He was so lacking of confidence that he moved thousands of miles away thinking that he could run from his calling like Jonah. But God met him down there. And when he preached the gospel, I still remember that message till this day. He stood, he left out of fear, but he stood in faith. The common enemy of faith and confidence is fear. When a great athlete who's gifted loses their confidence, fear grips them. And you say, what in the world has happened to them? Right away I can see that person, that man, that young lady has lost their confidence. When a person who's a gifted orator just doesn't have it, you know that they've lost their confidence. The thing about faith is that your posture determines whether your faith is activated or whether you are engulfed with fear. So let's talk about great faith. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about, in fact, next week, I'll get into the enemy of faith, fear, much more than I will today. Today, I want to talk about great faith. Somebody say great faith. Somebody put in the comment section. Somebody chat at me. Great faith. We're going to take our text from Matthew, the 15th chapter, and we're going to read verses 21 through 28. I'm reading from the New King James Version, and it reads, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region 
and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Here's the question. What made the faith of this woman, this Canaanite woman, who was outside of the commonwealth of Israel, who, was, who didn't have the heritage or the lineage to approach the Messiah, what made her faith great? Well, I want to submit to you that her faith was tested and she passed the test. And it caused Jesus, the Son of God, to marvel that this woman demonstrated great faith. And so let's take a look at the scripture a little more closely. First, she came into his presence. Jesus was in a house ministering. And she came into the presence of the Lord, seeking mercy. She confessed him as Lord, and she told him all about her troubles. How many times have we taken our troubles to the Lord in prayer? We're doing all the right things. We enter his presence. We're asking for mercy. We describe our troubles to him and lay them at his feet. She told him her daughter was demon-possessed, but he was silent. It, it's like prayer that is unanswered. Can you imagine what would happen to most if in the presence of the Lord, you acknowledge him as Lord, my Lord, have mercy on me. I've got trouble. My child is severely demon depressed and Jesus is silent. I want to talk to somebody who's been praying about something. You're in a desperate situation. You've been praying, but the Lord is silent. I'm telling you, your faith is being tested. Don't give up. Don't faint. The Lord hears you. Just because he's silent doesn't mean he doesn't hear you. 
We don't hear with our mouth. We hear with our ears. But God is putting you in a position so that he can show you, so he can show himself strong. Here was a woman who wasn't accustomed to being in the synagogue. She didn't have a rabbi. She didn't understand the things that the learned understood. But what she knew is who Jesus was. And she went into the presence of the Lord. She sought him out and brought her troubles to him, yet he was silent. He was silent. I want you to know once again that just because he's silent doesn't mean that he doesn't hear you. He hears you. And in his silence, his disciples who had been with him misinterpreted his silence. I want to speak to somebody's heart today. Don't fill in the blanks with his silence. Don't interpret his silence as something that is not intended to be. All 12 of them got it wrong. They went to him in opposition of this person. This person who had great faith, they couldn't see her faith. They saw her as a nuisance. They saw her as someone who was an outsider trying to push their way in, trying to jump in front of the line of the lost sheep of Israel. And they urged him. The Bible says that the disciples urged him to send her away. A person who comes to him in good faith. I want you to know that you should not think it's strange when you have opposition, even in his presence. She was in his presence, and so were they. I can tell you from experience, it's painful when people oppose you who are the children of the Most High. Together, we're with him, and there's opposition. And just because he loves you, he allows you to go through it because he's trying to build up your faith. He's trying to get you to a place where you know that he recognized that great is your faith. Oh, woman, great is your faith. Oh, man, great is your faith. Stay in the refiner's fire. Stay in there because he is doing something with you and for you and ultimately through you that is going to make a difference. And I hope that we would never make the mistake that the disciples made. This young lady, this woman with great faith, clearly came to seek out Jesus. But the disciples said, Lord, send her away because she is coming for us. She is cries out after us. She never mentioned the disciples. She didn't come for them. I want you to know that it's, it's the will of God that we recognize that when people come to us for help, they're seeking Jesus. They're not seeking me. They're not seeking you. They're seeking him. Let's not turn them away. God, may we never turn someone away who's looking for the Christ. She called him Lord. She called him the son of David. 
which in those days was an acknowledgement that you are the Messiah. She was saying, Lord, I know who you are. I've heard about you. And to the disciples who wanted to change her and move her away, I can hear her in my Holy Ghost imagination saying, you can't make me doubt him. I know too much about him. You can't make me doubt him in my heart. I'm going to stay right here because even though he's silent, if I stay in his presence, he is going to answer me. Like Jacob in the wilderness, this woman made up her mind, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I came here for a blessing. My daughter needs deliverance. I am not leaving until I get what I came from because I know you're merciful. I know that you're kind. I know that the sure mercies of David are upon you. And that's why I came into your presence. I ain't listening to what the disciples are saying. They think it's about them. But Lord, I know that it's about you. So I came into your presence seeking the help that only you can give. And she goes on. In the face of opposition, to hear something that certainly, certainly had to cause her heart to skip a beat for a moment. But her faith never wavered. And that was Jesus himself reminds her that she's an outsider. Jesus himself reminded her that she was an outsider and that she shouldn't expect to get in line, my verbiage, in front of the lost sheep of Israel because his mandate was to go to the lost sheep first. And what he was saying to her in effect is, your time hasn't come, daughter. They will reject me, and when they reject me, then the Gentiles can be ushered in. But she wasn't having that. She's like, Lord, I need you now. Is there anybody who needs the Lord now? I can't wait for a convenient time. I don't have time to wait till the church doors open. I need you now. I need to come into your presence to bring my issues to you because only you can solve them. I can't wait to get around the altar. I'm going to build an altar in my house because I need you now. My children are in trouble. My marriage is in trouble. My business is in trouble. My life is turned upside down. The pressure is turned up. God, I need you now. Lord, have mercy on me. And Jesus tells her his position on this because he's testing her. He wants to see her resolve. He wants to see how rock solid her faith is. And I want you to know that some of you are in the middle of a test. Hang in there. You're doing fine. Hang in there. I know it feels like you're getting some of the exam questions wrong, but I want you to know God told me to tell you that you are doing fine. He's positioning you for something great. And what you are requesting is going to happen just as it did 
for this woman. And as Jesus finished saying that, you know, even the puppies, you, I can't give away what is for the children, puppies, little dogs, children. What he was, it was a metaphor for the children. I can't take from the children and give it to those who are not children. Jesus is talking about sonship. But what she realized is that I know what he's saying, but I also know his heart towards me. I'm in his presence. I sense his heart towards me. Even though he was silent for a moment, he's now talking to me. So I see progress. I went from silence to him talking. Even though what he's saying, I don't like. I don't like because that's not what I want to hear. Sometimes when the Lord speaks, what he says is not what you want to hear. But as long as he's speaking, you ought to be glad. As long as he's speaking, you ought to rejoice. And she said in response, first of all, she did something after he said it shouldn't be given to the dogs, to the little dogs. You can't take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs from their master's table. Now this has several dimensions to it. She followed Jesus with his metaphor, but she let him know, I understand what you're saying. And I'm calling you my master. Because all I need are the little crumbs. You don't have to take from the children in order to meet my needs. You have enough power. You have enough resource. You have enough in you to take care of all of us. The Spirit of God is in you without measure. You don't have to take away from the children. Just let some crumbs fall. And I will feast on that. There is enough at my master's table. I know that you can take care of me without taking away from them. You are not a respecter of persons. And she worshiped him. The response has always got to be when there's a word from the Lord, whether it sounds good or whether it doesn't. She had the right response in faith. She agreed first with his word and then she worshiped because on the surface, it sounds like the word was against her, but she saw something that the disciples didn't see. She knew that the word was for her because she was standing in faith. She was unwavering. She was unmovable. And the Lord marveled as she worshiped. Most people would have taken offense. Most people would have had an attitude. Most people would have left his presence. I beseech you by the mercies of God, don't leave his presence just because you're not hearing what you want to hear. He knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for you. He is testing your faith. Will you pass the test? I'm talking about great faith. This woman caused Jesus to marvel. No doubt, even though she was a Canaanite woman, she was not of the lineage of Israel. She knew something about Jesus.
and maybe she read one of the first scrolls that were written in the Bible. The first book, according to historians, that was written was the book of Job. And maybe she read Job 13 and 15 that says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him but I will maintain my own ways before him. The second part is as important as the first part. We always quote, though he slay me. But what this woman did is she maintained her ways before him. In the face of opposition, she maintained her ways before him. In the, in the face of discouragement, she maintained her ways before him. Somebody chat at me, though he slay me, Yet will I trust him, and I will maintain my ways before him. It is important when we're in the presence of the Lord for us to be consistent. A person who has a double mind is unstable. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And let not that man think that he will receive anything from the Lord. Let not that woman think that you will receive anything from the Lord if you're double-minded. Let not that young man, that young lady, think that you will receive anything from the Lord. It's important that we maintain our ways before him. She came to him in faith, and nothing that happened while she was in her, his presence changed or caused her to waver. She also may have read in that same book, Job 23 and 10, which says, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. I want you to know that you're being tested. Gold is refined in the fire, in the fire. When gold comes out of the fire, it's in its purest form. When it comes out of the, of the mines, it looks like a lump of coal. But when you put it in the fire, all the dross comes off. All the useless stuff comes off. And what's left is pure gold. God is trying you. God is testing you. And when he has tested you, you're going to come forth as pure, pure gold. Somebody say pure gold. My life is going to be pure gold because God is testing me. I'm still talking about great faith. Maybe she read the writings of the prophet Jeremiah, who in Lamentations 3 and 32 said, But though he caused grief, Yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. She asked him to have mercy on her. She knew that he was compassionate. She knew that there was a multitude of mercies that were right in front of her. That mercy may not have spilled over into those who opposed her. They were still learning. And what I love about the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't want you to miss this, is that he is such a great teacher that he never misses an opportunity for a teachable moment. He wasn't only focused on her, but those who were with him. 
He wanted them to learn by observation. I told you earlier that by observation and experience, there's some things that I took away from a teammate because we were in the trenches together. We were close. We are the, the godparents of our firstborn children. We were in each other's wedding. We are close. We became close because we were teammates. We were together. We, we sat at the feet of the same coach. We had things in common. We had each other's back. And so watching up close, his conduct, there's some things that rubbed off in the area of confidence. So I learned how to prepare. I learned how to put in the work. But I added to that faith so that I could reach in places that all the preparation in the world wouldn't allow me to go. That all the work in the world, because when you come to him, you cease from labor. We rest in him, and he does the work. Somebody say great faith. But this woman who demonstrated such great faith had not been classically trained in the faith. All she knew is who Jesus was. That's all it takes. And she came to him and she petitioned him. She made her request known unto him. She worshiped him. She knew that he was able to do it and that he would. So what is the challenge for us as it relates to our faith? I want to submit to you that it has to do with posture. There are times when we go to God in confidence because there are things that we are requesting. And so when I make a request, when you make a request, if we are believers, we are more likely to go to him in confidence in that. If there's no opposition, and if we don't hear a word from him that's contrary. So the conditions are different than the conditions that she had. So I want to give an example from a prophet who, whose posture is different in two occasions. And that prophet is Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 32 and 17, he went to the Lord seeking understanding because he was told to purchase a plot of land. And he heard the word of God. He knew that they were about to go into captivity and it didn't make sense to buy land if the Chaldeans are going to come and take us captive, why in the world would I buy land? So he goes to God in Jeremiah 32 and 17 with this prayer. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. What is Jeremiah doing with this prayer? He's building up his faith. He's going to God, acknowledging that, God, you made the heavens and the earth. 
So even though I don't understand what is being asked of me, there's nothing hard for you. He's admitting that this is a hard thing for me to understand, but it's not a hard thing for you to do. So he had the right posture. And Jeremiah eventually bought the land. He took Baruch with him. They did the contract, and he did it, even though he didn't understand it initially. I want to say to you who are in a situation that you don't fully understand, I want to encourage you to remember that the God that you are approaching, the God in whose, whose presence you stand, made the heavens and the earth. Nothing is hard, too hard for him. He's so big that everything you see came out of him. It's in him. And even you and I are in him because in him we live and move and have our being. And there's almost 8 billion people alive today who can say the same, but most of them don't even know it but he's compassionate. His, his compassion fails not. The sun shines on the just and the unjust. It rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. He's that kind of God, and he prioritizes his children. But his children are all of those who come to him. He said to this woman, I can't take the children's bread and give it to the puppies. Puppies are also children. And when we come to him, we are converted. If anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. All things are passed away and all things became new. I want to tell you that that day, because of her faith, all things passed away and everything became new because in the hour that she made her request known to the Lord, her daughter was healed. Don't you think she went back to Canaan? Don't you think she went back to her region and told everybody, I went and saw Jesus. And when I told him my situation, some people were against me. They wanted to throw me out, but he didn't throw me away. He didn't send me away. He listened and he supplied all my needs according to his riches and glory. I want you to know that he's that kind of God. Jeremiah again, in the same chapter 32, verse 26 and 27, goes to God with a different posture. And I'm going through this because I want us to be a people of great faith. And I want us to see the circumstances in life that will come at us and know that the circumstances don't test us. God is testing us. God can never be tempted with evil. So when evil comes, it's my flesh, it's the devil, or it's the world. It's worldly lust. God is not in that. God cannot be tempted with evil, but God tests us for a purpose. And the purpose is to get us to a place of great faith. Somebody say great faith. Jeremiah 32, 26 and 27 reads, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. 
Is there anything too hard for me? Now, in Jeremiah 32 and 17, Jeremiah encouraged himself. He had a posture before God where he knew, I've got to encourage myself because I'm seeking understanding, so I need to build up my faith so I can receive the word. God was about to tell Jeremiah something that was hard, that would not make sense in his human mind, that they were going to be captive for 70 years, and then he was going to bring them out. God's people captive to a pagan nation. And for 70 years, they would serve, and then he would bring them out. But he needed the prophet to understand this. So he let him know, I'm the Lord. I'm the God of all flesh. I'm not just the God of Israel. I'm the God of the Chaldeans also. I am the God of all flesh. And so I'm sovereign. And what I'm about to do, I know you have questions about. I know that this runs against your theology. I know that this runs against what you've taught as a son, been taught as a son of Abraham. But I want you to know there's nothing too hard. Let me ask you a question, Jeremiah. Is there anything too hard for me? And so God gave him that word before he told him what was about to happen. Sometimes we go to God with a word in our spirit that builds us up before we make the request. And sometimes God comes to us with a word. And it's most often, at least in my experience, there's a question. And the question is designed to make me not only think, but to see things in a way that gives me perspective that I didn't have. It changes my posture. It changes me from seeing the impossible and things that are unreasonable and make no sense to that which is possible in the hands of a God that nothing is too hard for. And so I know that there are some of you who are in a hard place, who are struggling with things that just don't seem to add up. And maybe the Lord is silent, but I want you to know he sees and he hears and he's working. It's already done. You've just got to have the patience to hang in there and to wait and not waver and to know that we're talking to the God, you're talking to the God of all flesh, and there's nothing too hard for him. Some of you feel like outsiders, just like this woman from Canaan, who feel like I have no right to this because my life hasn't measured up. He's come to change your life. He's come to make those old things that are behind you pass away. They're, they're, they're in, the, in the background. They're behind you. He wants to make all things new. You just need to trust him. This is about faith. Faith is about trust in God. Confidence is trust in yourself. When you have confidence, you trust in your ability to get it done. I'm not talking about confidence. There's some confident people 
who still don't have great faith. And so God wants us to split the baby today and to know the difference between confidence and faith. And God wants us to be a people of great faith. So I want to speak to you, O woman. I want to speak to you, O man. I want to even speak to you, child, who God is refining so that you can walk in great faith. I want to tell you not to be discouraged. I want to encourage you. Be encouraged. It's not that there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with the world. We're living in a fallen world, but God has sent a redeemer that's come to pull you out. God is pulling somebody out of the fire right now. He's saying it's time for you to come out of the fire. The fiery trials have come to test you. Don't think it's strange when the fiery t trials come to try you or to test you as though some strange thing has happened unto you. Knowing that your brothers and sisters in the faith are going through the same thing. And so I want to speak to you today and release great faith. Great faith be released upon the people of God. Spirit of the living God fall fresh on their circumstances. Lord, help. Send help from heaven today. Lord, help as your people worship you. Somebody is on their face right now. Somebody is in tears. Lord, send help. Somebody is confused. They don't understand. They need deliverance. Somebody is saying, I can relate to the demon possession. Lord, set them free in the name of Jesus. You're able to do it because there's nowhere that you're not. There's no one that you don't care about. You're the God of all flesh. And so we come to you with expectancy. We come to you in spite of opposition. We come to you even though we're told that we're not worthy. And we're not, but you are. And because you're worthy, we come bowing down before you. Because you're able, we come knowing that you're able to do it. We come realizing that we're at the end of ourselves. We're at the end of our rope. And God, we're ready to cut the rope because we trust you. Not in ourselves, but you alone. And so God, do a new thing. Do a new thing right now. Let it come speedily. In the name of Jesus, it is so, and so it is. And now, God, bless your people. Lift up your countenance upon your people. Cause your face to shine upon your people and be gracious unto them. Lord, lift up your countenance and give peace unto all, unto all of those who are watching and listening today. Be with their children and their seed, the fruit of their womb, 
and that which is yet in their loins for a thousand generations. May they know that you are for them. May they know that you are with them. And God, against all odds, we believe you and we trust in you. Go in power and keep the faith. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.